one of the best perspectives on ramp out there is from Packy McCormick. He's, as you might know, already earned respect as a writer, but he's using his platform to get access and then basically frame the story in a way that makes more sense than Eric himself tells it. So we've been exploring about uh, Ram's origin story as well as its product velocity. And I think this is the essay that really nailed it or at least presented it in a way that kind of makes sense. So we'll, present, we'll talk a little bit about the initial insight into how Ramp started. And I think for people who are not so close to the story, it's good to level set on some numbers that Ramp has been reporting. Um, outside of this number, this essay was written in March 2022. Um, since then, I think it, Ramp has reported another doubling of their annual recurring revenue in the year to date. So in the last four to five months, um, it's been pretty good. Pretty good. Ramping up. Larry Page and Sergey Brin founded Google in 1998. They weren't the first people to create a search engine, or even the 10th. Yahoo was born in 1994. But Google's PageRank algorithm generated better search results than competitors, and in 2000, AdWords, their intent-based advertising system, gave their better product a much better business model. Google put itself in the right place at the right time to direct people's attention and dollars across the internet and charged businesses an auction-based fee for sending the people looking for what they were selling. A quarter century later, Google's search advertising business is probably the greatest money-printing machine ever known to humankind. But in a piece full of effusive praise from all corners, allow me to set the tone. Ramp has the potential to build an even better business than Google. Ramp is not the first corporate card or even the 10th, but it's the best corporate card company at building technology and the best technology company with a corporate card. It's also the first to try to help its customers spend less, an important distinction in the future I think it's building. This is the third time I've written about Ramp, and I didn't understand the parallels with Google until now. There's a very good chance I'm being overly optimistic, but here's the logic. Google built a monster business by owning the search layer. When people want to find something, they go to Google, and Google can send them to the right place. Advertisers pay a fee each time someone clicks. At some point in the future, automation will overtake manual purchases. That transition will happen in business spend first. Businesses are more likely to buy based on specs than individuals are. Ramp has the opportunity to own the transaction layer for businesses. When businesses spend money, a more than $100 trillion market, Ramp can monetize via interchange as it does today, but it can also suggest better places to spend or even automatically redirect spend and take an affiliate cut or financing revenue when appropriate. As more spend is automatically orchestrated with software, as opposed to starting with search and ending in a manual purchase, whoever controls the transaction controls the flow of dollars. Ramp recently launched Ramp for Travel, a cool but seemingly minor new solution that lets companies manage travel spend automatically in a decentralized way. I think it's huge. I think it's the first example of transactions as mini-apps. Another of Ramp's mini-apps is Buyer, which Ramp acquired in August. Buyer by Ramp has begun negotiating software contracts on its customers' behalf. It's not a big leap to make to imagine a world in which customers hand over software buying decisions to Ramp. The product's landing page already says, eliminate the headache of buying software. Let Ramp do it for you. The launch of BillPay means that Ramp has visibility into spend that doesn't touch the card too. With this data, it should have the ability to tell who's paying too much on a line item basis and one day to redirect customer spend to better price vendors. I'm not good at making images or particularly describing them out loud, but I'm picturing a world in which cards send out transaction intent and mini apps for different categories help direct 
purchase decisions based on rules set by each company and intelligence gathered from all of them. That's a huge shift and it's easy to miss. The best analogy that I can come up with is that it's like the transition from GUI to APIs, but for business spending. There are a lot of processes that were once manual that humans did one at a time with pen and paper or through a computer interface that computers now sort out with each other via APIs. The same thing will inevitably happen at purchasing. It just takes the ability to get into the transaction through the Carter invoice and the right software products. From there, the possibilities are endless. A lot of this spend presents an interchange opportunity, an affiliate opportunity, and even a financing opportunity all aligned with the customer. But before we get to that future, Ramp's doing pretty well today. Today, it's announcing a $750 million round, $200 million in equity, and $550 million in debt that values the company at $8.1 billion, led by Founders Fund. All existing major investors are participating, along with some new ones. I'm ecstatic that not boring capital gets to double down. Ramp raised the round on world-class growth and a steep trajectory. The company is worth roughly 25 times what it was when then Main Streeter Nick Abzid introduced me to Ramp co-founder and CEO Eric Lyman in September 2020, 18 months ago. I wrote about Ramp that December to announce a now quaint $30 million round. The business has grown a lot since then. Ramp has grown revenues 25x, it's grown cardholders 35x, and it's saved 40 times as much money for customers. Ramp is also the fastest growing SaaS or fintech company of all time by revenue. It grew to a $100 million revenue run rate in two years from launch. Much of Ramp's growth to date has been the result of the success of its first product, a corporate card designed to help companies save time and money. It's done both. Since launching in February 2020, it saved customers $135 million and 3.5 million hours of labor, roughly 5.2 human lifetimes worth of just doing expenses, which sounds miserable. It's done all of that despite only increasing headcount from 60 to 275 between September 2020 and today. So in the first part of the essay, we'll go behind the scenes on Ramp's recent round and we'll put Ramp's exceptional growth, mainly driven by the corporate card, in context. But Ramp's real magic is its product velocity, or how fast it ships software. That's what's going to take it from fastest growing corporate card company to software-powered transaction layer orchestrator. Keith Raboy, the founder's fund partner who led or invested in every Ramp round over the past three years, told me, Ramp's product velocity is absolutely unprecedented in my 21 years working with technology businesses. To build great software fast, Ramp has created one of the densest talent vortexes in tech. It ships big new products every month. Its team is, frankly, overqualified to run a corporate card company. That's because it wasn't built to run a corporate card company. In the second half of the essay, we'll dig into Ramp's second act, the shift from corporate card and spend management software to comprehensive financial orchestration platform. By starting with the corporate card, Ramp has been able to build an incredibly fast-growing business, raise over a billion dollars in financing in three years, and most importantly, wedge its way into the CFO suite. From inside the CFO suite, it's been able to launch products to compete with entire multi-billion dollar incumbents like Bill.com, Expensify, and Concur, and give those products away for free. It's done so with teams of only three to five engineers on each product while maintaining NPS scores as higher or higher than Apple. And that's just the beginning. Ramp is shipping new products monthly and stitching them together in clever ways. It's combining the product velocity of a SaaS company with the transaction visibility of a fintech. That's a sneakily powerful combination. The thing that I love about Ramp is that each time I revisit the company, I discover an entirely new, enormous opportunity in front of it. This time, the new thing that's emerged is that by building the best technology company with a corporate card, Ramp might be able to own the business transaction layer and use those transactions themselves as mini-apps. The other thing I love is that Eric and Kareem are always willing to share the how. 
how they grown this fast, how do they design the team, how they keep the growth up. So we'll cover all that too. This one is jam-packed with secrets. We'll cover ramps around, ramps unprecedented growth and how to value it, designed for speed, more than a card, transactions as many apps, from products to platform, ramp and the future of finance. As I've gotten to know the team and the company better over the past 18 months, I've become convinced that this is going to be a generational company. There's a clear path to a $100 billion valuation for itself, but more importantly, ramps in an incredibly high leverage spot. As it helps companies save time and money, they can reinvest in product and growth. The companies that, you, that take us to space, deliver personalized healthcare, fix the climate, and more will be made stronger by working with Ramp. Okay, the next part I'm actually cutting out for you because you already know Ramp is an amazing business. That's why we're even talking about it. And sometimes it's a lot of horse trading of numbers like baseball cards without actually really going deep into business. So we're going to skip that part and actually go into the product and engineering philosophy. As part of the process of thinking through the next company, they did a survey of the competitive landscape as one does. They realized that each competitor with a corporate card spiked on one thing. Capital One was excellent at underwriting. Their tight controls were part of that. American Express was excellent at rewards. They incentivized customers to spend more. New startup Brex was excellent at marketing to newly formed startups. They addressed the underserved but fastest growing part of the market. Unbelievably, in 2019, there wasn't a corporate card company that spiked on product and engineering. That created a gigantic opening for a pair of second-time tech entrepreneurs. When they founded the company in March 2019, they knew that they wanted to start with a corporate card, but they were really building a technology company. In a May 2019 email that he sent to Founders Fund in lieu of a deck, Kareem called Ramp a technology-driven financial services company. Being the fast-moving technology-driven company in a space seems like the obvious segment to own, but actually doing it is the hard part. How Ramp does it is its secret sauce, a blend of people, structure, and mission. We built Ramp intentionally to have fast velocity while growing deliberately and responsibly, Eric told me. That starts with the people. Ramp has built one of the most talent-dense teams in tech. Remember Nick from Main Street, the one who introduced me to Ramp in the first place? He works at Ramp now. He got pulled into the same talent vortex that attracted former founders, ex-Stripe executives, international gold medalist programmers and mathematicians, Rhodes Scholars, athletes, growth experts, and even a PhD slash bachelorette contestant, Romeo. Despite the past success of many of its employees, as Kareem told me in April, we hire people for potential and growth trajectory, slope over intercept. We make bets on people. The goal is not zero defects, but 10x potential. As a result, Ramp has become a finishing school for young talent before they go and start their own thing. All of that talent and raw energy would be wasted on a corporate card company, though, particularly one that uses its financial responsibilities as an excuse to move slowly. But of course, as a company responsible for company's money, Ramp can't entirely move fast and break things. Which brings us to the second part of the secret sauce, structure. When I asked Keith, who was an executive at PayPal and COO at Square, for a non-intuitive insight about what makes Ramp so special, he doubled down on product velocity. He said, their execution is unprecedented. Their ability to take a long-term vision, distill it into a short-term roadmap, and execute in parallel across a variety of products is unique, especially in a zero-defects industry like financial services. Kareem built the product and engineering team to do specifically that, to move fast without breaking things that shouldn't break. Early on, he realized that Ramp was attracting two types of people. One, people who love to move fast and build new things and stay up all night fixing whatever they break, and two, people who are deliberate and like to write perfect code the first time. A fast-moving financial software company, he realized, would need both types for different things. So he made a big decision early, split product design and engineering into two team archetypes. One team, full of the deliberate code craftspeople, would handle all of the things that can't afford to have mistakes, like underwriting and transaction processing, in addition to building strong infrastructure and integrations. 
This team does a lot of the hard work to build a single unified backend so that companies can plug in whatever financial software they use and let Ramp software translate between it all. It's all on Ramp, one database, one platform. The other team, full of fast-moving builders, have a long leash to create new products with very little organizational overhead. This team was clearly built in reaction to Eric and Kareem's experience at Capital One. This team splits into smaller teams of three to five world-class engineers paired with designers and PMs who attack new opportunities. In addition to their raw talent, a big reason this team is able to build new products so quickly is that they're building on top of the high-quality data and tech infrastructure developed by the other team. The reason they're able to build the right thing quickly is the third leg, Ramp's mission. Ramp's mission from the beginning, and even from the Paribus days, has been to save people time and money. Anything that its product and end SWAT team spins up needs to drive towards that mission. More than a card. One of the things that's fascinated me most about Ramp since the beginning is how it uses interchange revenue to build new software products, deepening its moat. Ramp earns interchange 1.5 to 2.5% paid by merchants and card networks when customers spend using the card. Taking 2% or so of the $1.5 trillion and growing the company spend on cards every year is a $30 billion and growing annual opportunity. Plus, it's essentially inflation-proof since it's indexed total spend. As businesses spend more, Ramp makes proportionately more. That might be one of the reasons Amex has done well while growth companies have tanked. But the plan was never to build a corporate card company. From the beginning, it's been about saving companies time and money. Helping companies spend less seems like a counterintuitive bet in an industry in which revenue is directly tied to spend. Most credit card companies use the money they make on interchange to reward users with points in order to get them to spend more so that they can make more on interchange. Ramp plows its interchange revenue back into better financial software. The plan all along was to start with the card and build out a full suite of financial software aimed at helping companies build better businesses, and I have the receipts to prove it. Way back in December 2020, I wrote, if you want to build a software that helps companies save money, the corporate card is a smart place to start. By involving itself directly in transactions, Ramp is able to see and control spend in real time and build software products that non-corporate card companies just can't. The corporate card, then, is a Trojan horse directly into a company's finances. In that piece, we announced Ramp's first big product out of the card. Ramp reimbursements, an expense by killer that Ramp customers got for free just for using the card. We also previewed other things Ramp might be able to do, like automate negotiations with vendors. In April's piece, I talked about a few more things Ramp might be able to do from inside the CFO's office, including it can automate savings like a B2B Paribus or do not pay by recognizing when companies are overspending on products and reaching out to vendors to negotiate on their behalf, or it could build the bill.com killer for its customers, bringing AP and credit cards into the same place. As described above, Ramp's fast-moving product and engineering team splits up into groups of three to five to tackle opportunities like those. In addition to the corporate card, Ramp has successfully built, launched, and grown new features that can replace entire company's products. Corporate cards can replace Amex, which has a $144 billion market cap, and Brex, which has a $12.3 billion valuation. Expense management can replace Expensify, a $1.6 billion market cap, and Concur, which was acquired by SAP for $8.3 billion in 2014. And bill pay payments can replace bill.com, which has a $23.3 billion market cap. We should pause on that last one for a sec. BillPay is Ramp's first major non-card product launch, and I'm really glad that's what they went with. Last January, I made what's turned out to be my worst financial call ever, shortbill.com. Bill.com is the worst software I used to run not boring by a country mile, and I thought that would make it vulnerable to startups with much better products. Bill has laughed in my face ever since. It's up. 62% since I wrote it, handily outpacing the NASDAQ, which is up only which is up only 12% over the same period. But in October, Ramp publicly launched Bill Pay. That day, Bill dropped 4.7% on no other news than a relatively calm market day. Because Ramp 
would essentially be giving away Bill's product as a free add-on. Bill.com is going to be harder to kill than just an announcement. I learned that lesson the hard way. It has incredibly strong distribution and network effects as evidenced by the fact that I still use it because the companies who pay me use it and Ramp's product isn't fully developed yet. For example, it handles the accounts payable side, but not the accounts receivable side, which means that I could use it to pay bills, but not to send invoices. Still, I've used the product and it's so much faster than Bill. It reads and itemizes invoices with 99.9% .9 accuracy, and it's growing. Without marketing the product beyond current customers, it's grown 70% month over month since, la since launching publicly, and it's already starting to show synergistic effects with the card. Card customers are much less likely to churn, for example, if they're using BillPay. And as Ramp's first major non-card product, BillPay has the potential to build the next S-curve for the business. A typical S-curve describes the idea that a product's growth normally starts slow, accelerates for a period of time, and inevitably slows down in maturity once it's saturated the market. Great companies typically launch new products with their own S-curves long before the original products start slowing in order to keep the company's overall growth high. The growth of Ramp's corporate card product hasn't slowed and it's not showing signs of slowing, but part of the idea with a product like BillPay is that it adds its own S-curve to the mix. Because of Ramp's fast growth, maybe the curves look kind of more straight up than SE, but compellingly, while the corporate card product doesn't really have network effects, other than maybe very weak data network effects related to software price negotiation, BillPay certainly has network effects. That's what makes Bill.com so strong despite its product. In a competitive market, adding a product that's additive to the card has its own growth loops, taps into a much bigger chunk of business spend, and has network effects is a huge win. Ramp's assets and new ones that it plans to add to the mix might even give it the ability to knock off Bill.com over time. I think that Ramp's mix of product and business acumen gives it the chance to topple Bill. But the way that I frame this up, that BillPay is a second standalone product alongside the corporate card, isn't actually what Ramp is going for. Instead, Ramp is attempting to unify all of its products into one finance orchestration platform. From products to platform. Ramp's product velocity doesn't just show up in big launches like BillPay. In last April's piece, I shared a snapshot that Ramps had a product Jeff Charles shared in his 2020 product recap. It shows at least one new product a month. This year in his 2021 product recap, Jeff shared the snapshot of his team's work over the past 12 months. And again, it's at least one new product every month. BillPay soft launch in August. Between then and the end of the year, Ramp also launched major features including HRIS integration, negotiation as a service, and Ramp for travel. Already this year, it's launched integrations with Gmail, Amazon, Lyft, and others to automatically verify receipts and the ability to request payments for out-of-policy spend from employees. If you've ever accidentally used your corporate card somewhere that you shouldn't have and had to deal with writing the finance team a check, not, not me, but, you know, I could imagine, then you know how big this is. Ramp estimates it saves one hour per out-of-policy transaction. All five of the products and feature I listed above are brilliant because they save customers time and money today and also lay the groundwork for Ramp to automatically orchestrate purchases on customers' behalf in the future. They're all either infrastructure or mini-apps for that automated future. And there's a lot more coming. I've been sworn to secrecy, but I've seen some of the roadmap and the pace is not slowing anytime soon. That sounds like an unmitigated good thing, but it does present a challenge, namely how to communicate just what it is that Ramp does. When I checked in with Logan at Redpoint, who is criminally underfollowed on Twitter, by the way, you should go follow him, he pointed out the champagne problem that Ramp has. He said, I've never seen a company whose product velocity made it so difficult to communicate value to customers. Not one for hyperbole, Logan went on. I don't want to be quoted saying Ramp is the perfect B2B company because that's ridiculous, but it is. This is high praise coming from the man who broke the internet with his sober state of the market presentation. When I talked to Eric, head of communications and content, John Collins, and communications manager, Michelle Khan, 
about the communication challenge, they said it was top of mind. Here's the challenge. Actually differentiating a product, offering something different than competitors is one thing, and Ramp's really good at that. The company was built to build better financial software than anyone else in the industry. Communicating that differentiation to customers is a completely different challenge. Customers might look at Brex, Amex, and Ramp and see card, card, card. Or they might look at Ramp's corporate card and bill pay and wonder whether they need to choose one or the other or both and why they might choose one or the other. Too much thinking. So today, it's rolling out a shiny new website redesign that focuses on what Ramp does for businesses, not which products it offers. As Ramp handles more transactions for businesses automatically, the new framing makes a lot more sense. From the beginning, Ramp has been all about saving time and money because that time and money can be reinvested into helping businesses grow. With the website refresh and Ramp's focus on simplifying finance for companies of all shapes and sizes, it can more clearly categorize the new products that it will inevitably continue to launch, addressing one of the biggest risks in the business. And it's certainly going to keep adding new products. The card was an even better Trojan horse than I realized. All right, that's the second out of three sections that we're going to have today. Uh, I just want to read out the email that Kareem sent as a fundraising deck in March 2019. Um, he calls it, he calls Ramp a technology-driven financial services company that is focused on improving the operating efficiency and long-term success of growing businesses, um, which is a very clear vision of what they want to be as a company, even at the very early stage. So it is not you know, Paribus for finance. Um, they're, they're, I think you can overlearn the lesson from the origin story uh, that I covered in the past two episodes. But they've definitely thought a lot about building businesses. And it's a really lengthy, worthy pitch. I would never pitch a company like that. But I think the vision of what they wanted to be absolutely made sense. And I really like the idea that even though you're nominally in the same business as your other competitors, the fact that you view yourself differently affects how you hire, affects how you ship, affects how you, um, what you actually ship. And that has made all the difference in Ramp versus uh, its competitors. The people who work for the other companies don't, just don't see themselves the same way and therefore don't work at the same pace, don't uh, come up with the same ideas. Lastly, I just really like the business strategy of your margin is my opportunity. So what Packy means by having the interchange revenue is just the baseline credit card spend interchange revenue and then giving everything else away, basically competing with paid products out there uh, with small teams. Um, I think obviously it remains to be seen how good the products actually are. We haven't, we're, hear we're hearing from a paid show. We haven't actually heard you know, how good is Ramp for Travel compared to people who've, you know, spent a lot of time on it? It's built by six people. Y yes, they're very good, but also there's a lot of long tail stuff that just needs to maintain and take care of. And for sure, they probably haven't thought through some of, some of those details. And that's just being human. That's nothing, that's not a thing on them. Um, but still, I, I like the general business strategy of giving paid stuff away for free. Um, Long-time listeners of this mixtape might remember the Cloudflare pitch, which was essentially we'll give away a CDN that's for, that, you know, is usually paid um, and then we'll make it up on security services and, uh, you know, now edge computing and uh, all the other stuff that Cloudflare provides. So I think it's just a really good model if you can bring in enough venture capital to fund it and then create that virtuous cycle that is definitely driving ramp. Now, the last bit is we're going to use, we're going to think about transactions as mini apps. Um, I thought this was a little bit of a stretch, but then I think the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense. You basically need a core service. If you want to build a super app, you need a core service 
that provides the data and the transactions and the sort of financial rails from which all the other products will plug into. And that's essentially how you become a platform company. And that is the last stage of Ram's evolution. Transactions as mini apps, which brings us back to transactions as mini apps, saving customers time and money, along with Ramp's product velocity and prime position in each transaction, has earned Ramp an even bigger opportunity to leverage transactions as mini apps, like it's doing with travel. Ramp launched just after the pandemic did. After hiring its first 20 employees in the New York office, it hired 255 of its 275 total employees wherever the best people happen to live. Half the employees are in New York. The other half are all over the country and the world, including Canada, South America, and Europe. In the last piece, I joked that they were going to use their funds to launch a Miami office. This June, they're opening a Miami office. They've been signing smaller office leases and using the money they save to throw frequent offsites. Ski houses in Vermont and Utah, Camp Ramp in the Catskills, Miami Hack Week, sales kickoff in Chicago. It's an unnatural structure that has led to a lot of travel and some unnatural insights, including one around travel. Because the Ramp team was spending so much time booking travel for themselves, they realized what a pain in the ass booking travel is for companies. Policies are complex and confusing. As one example, different people are allowed to book flights and hotels at different price points based on seniority, distance traveled, value of meeting, or any number of factors. Typically, companies solve this by forcing people to book through pre-approved travel platforms or by making admins book travel for everyone or by manually sorting through receipts afterwards to figure out who booked in policy and then asking employees to reimburse when they book out of policy. It's a mess. So a six-person team at Ramp built a better way, Ramp for Travel. This is a deceptively strong representation of the types of products Ramp will be able to build going forward based on the fact that it started with the corporate card, built strong software infrastructure, and hired world-class talent. The corporate card is key. You couldn't build this product without it. Because Ramp can see and understand every transaction employees make, it can organize every trip-related expense, whether an employee books on Travelocity, Expedia, Airbnb, directly with the airline, at a local restaurant, or anywhere else. Employees don't need to book through specific travel sites because the card is smart enough to figure out what employees are doing. But a corporate card isn't enough. The product needs good software to work, including some software that Ramp's built already. For example, last summer, Ramp rolled out controls that let employers set limits on spend at the merchant level. Ramp has let employers set limits per card for a long time. And Ramp easily integrates into companies' HRIS systems so they know what level each employee is. So now, companies can set custom travel policies by trip length, seniority level, or even individual that are enforced at the card level. So if I try to book a $1,000 per night Airbnb, but the company's nightly room max is $250, the transaction is flagged and my manager can ask me to one-click reimburse the company for the balance in a click. It's subtly a massive shift in the way the financial software can work. Instead of forcing employees to log into a specific site to do a thing, companies can set rules and the card can enforce those rules depending on the context. The transaction itself becomes a mini-app, understanding the context, approving or denying, and even routing to a better solution. No dedicated website needed. And Ramp built this product with just a six-person team, including, to be fair, three-time International Olympiad Informatics gold medalist Neil Wu. Today, Ramp simply monetizes Ramp for travel the same way it makes money on everything else. The merchant or card network pays it interchange. It's incentivized to build better travel products because if it can save companies time and money booking travel, they'll use Ramp, and Ramp will make 1.5 to 2.5% of the transaction. But travel's potential hints at the fact that despite being the fastest SaaS or fintech company to reach a $100 million revenue run rate, Ramp has just barely scratched the surface on monetizing this business. Online travel agencies, or OTA, like Booking Holdings and Expedia Group, are worth $80 billion and $30 billion, respectively. In 2021, 
Booking made 10.4 of its 10.9 billion in revenue through agency or merchant revenues, essentially the commissions it gets for sending bookings to hotels, airlines, or car rental companies. It seems possible that Ramp could use its position in the transaction to recommend better price options to customers and erode some of the OTA's power and market share and take some of their revenue. It's another opportunity to make money by saving customers money automatically. While Ramp's growth has been eye-watering, it's barely hit go. Ramp in the future of finance. When Logan first called Ramp the perfect B2B business, I laughed, thanked the Substack gods for a great quote, and moved on. But as I kept writing, the idea wormed itself more deeply into my brain. Did he mean it? What did he mean? Is Ramp the perfect B2B business? Today, it certainly looks like an excellent top 1% kind of business. It's the fastest SaaS business to reach $100 million revenue run rate in history. It makes money when customers spend money on their card, which they already do. It grows when its customers grow. It's taken a big old fragmented industry and modernized it with software. It checks and exceeds all the metric boxes. It's even inflation hedged. If prices go up, it makes more revenue automatically. I'd invest in a business like that any day, but those points alone don't make it perfect. What makes Ramp so special and why I think it's a generational business is that while it's been growing the original corporate card business so quickly, it's simultaneously been laying the groundwork for the really big Google-sized opportunity. Instead of giving customers more reward points, Ramp has been plowing interchange back into software. Great software creates moats, points don't. At the same time, saving companies time and money isn't just good marketing and counterpositioning. It lays the groundwork for Ramp's really big ambitions. Customers are more likely to trust the company that's been saving them time and money to automate their finances than they are to trust the card companies that have been trying to get them to spend more. The fruits of its world-class product velocity are just starting to become clear. Bill pay, travel, negotiation, receipt integrations, and a new Chrome extension have all shipped in the past few months. Ramp is giving them all away for free. It might be able to monetize them directly or indirectly, or use them to continue to make the decision to go with Ramp a no-brainer. Whether it monetizes today or not, each of these products does double duty. They save customers time and money today, and they're all infrastructure or mini apps for Ramp's transaction orchestration future. The biggest reason that Ramp is going to be a generational company is that it's the first company to recognize the potential of business transactions as mini apps and to design a company to build accordingly. Ramp's famous product velocity, for example, is made all the more valuable by the fact that its team will have the evergreen opportunity to build new mini apps based on what it's seeing in the transactions. Being able to swarm those opportunities quickly with three to five person teams is a superpower. Ramp's corporate card wasn't just a Trojan horse into the CFO suite. It was a Trojan horse into all of the business's transactions, and Ramp loaded the horse with engineers able to respond to whatever they face inside the walls. And as it adds new payment products like BillPay, it will get even more data that it can use to help companies save time and money and more transactions from which to launch mini apps. The more mini apps it launches, the more of a company's spend it can orchestrate. Ramp's gotten to $100 million in revenue on one revenue stream and less than $5 billion in transactions. In a $100 trillion plus dollar global business spend market, the opportunities are endless. In just travel and procurement, it can flip a switch and start monetizing tomorrow. BillPay offers endless opportunities for monetization from SaaS fees, which is unlikely, to financing. With $550 million in fresh debt at its disposal, that seems like a reasonable possibility. For now though, monetization is secondary. It happens naturally every time companies spend on the card and Ramp has plenty of cash to keep going for a long time. For now, Growth is king. More is more. The more customers Ramp gets, the more spend it can help orchestrate. The more spend it orchestrates, the more data it gets, and the more buying leverage it has on its customer's behalf. The more Ramp products each customer uses, the better product experiences it can design, and the stickier each customer becomes. The more products with network effects like BillPay get adopted, the faster Ramp spreads, 
and the more both parties in a transaction use Ramp, the smoother Ramp can make the experience. If Ramp just keeps growing its corporate card business at even half the rate it's growing today, this becomes a $50 billion company in the next few years. But if Ramp is able to keep growing and keep shipping simultaneously, and if it can fold all of its products into a clean, comprehensive offering that saves time and money for customers automatically, it has the chance to own and finally bring intelligence to the most valuable real estate on the internet, the transaction. That's more valuable than search. That's a trillion dollar opportunity. Okay, that was 30 something minutes. Really long episode today, I'm sorry about that. But this is just such a beautiful essay. It's, it's really well written, very convincing, obviously uh, written by someone who's a ultra paid perma bull. So <laughs> you need to find the balancing alternative yourself. I haven't found one. Uh, but you know, as far as bull and show pieces go, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You want to you know the bull case for a bit ramp, this is it. 